Hey, welcome there to another live stream. Uh, this time we're doing a year in review. It's 2023 we're talking about and all of our feature highlights and everything we've we've managed to release and everything we've done as a company. Uh, I'm going to bring on a couple of people over the, the course of the next little while. Here's Mario, our chief technology officer. Uh, in the background, hey, Mario. In the background as well, we've got uh, Amy. Amy um, leads our marketing team and she's controlling all the cameras and what you're watching on screen. So thanks, Amy. Uh, Mario, welcome. Yeah, thanks. Uh, yeah, it's going to be an exciting session, I guess. Uh, uh, I hope it's going to have that fireside feeling, you know, they're going to talk about a few things, product and non-product related, I guess. It's, uh, it's nice to talk a little bit about uh, all the aspects, I guess, of 2023. Yeah. Right? So. 100%. I can see people uh, joining. I see Rob from Tees River Rescue in the UK saying hello. Hey, Rob. Um, if you are watching this, you can comment in whatever platform you're watching it live on, whether it's X, LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, I think there's a couple of other places at this point. Uh, you're welcome to leave comments in whatever platform it is. They come up in front of us and, and ask us questions. If you've got a question, we love being transparent and answering stuff on the fly. Uh, tell us tell us what you like. Tell us what frustrates you. That's what we're here for. Yeah, exactly. um, I, and I'm going to do it. Sorry, go go ahead. Yeah, I was saying it's going to be a more much more interesting session if people actually contribute with questions yeah. and comments and feedback. Uh, so we make it more real. So, so before we bring the others on, and we've we've got both uh, Thierry and GP joining us today. Before we bring them on, we're just going to talk a little bit about the sort of uh, overview of stuff. So, from my side, we've got a, 2023 was a big year of growth for us. Um, it was fantastic. We added a good few team members across the year, and uh, we've seen we've seen significant number of new customers coming on board and lots of customers, particularly a lot of customers uh, adding more products. So people adding the instant management or now operation center to their to what they need or adding personal training or adding equipment management. We've seen a lot of that. We've also seen a huge number of referrals coming in. So thank you very much. If you are referring us, particular interest to us is if you're in a volunteer team and you're referring us up to your workplace, that's a huge thing for us. So. Uh, a lot of or most of our customers are our professional workplaces, public safety and um, private industry, anything from uh, industrial sites through to businesses, through to retailing, everything that needs incident management uh, all the way through across to public safety. So please do refer us up. That's what that is our core business. And we're delighted to, to serve everybody under that, too. We managed to get uh, our ISO, our International Standards Organization, 2701 Information Security Management Systems, a bit of a, a mouthful. That was a huge piece. Uh, Mario, thanks for your help on that. Mario yeah. was key in, in pulling together some of that documentation. That was led by, by Jenny, our chief of staff, in terms of, of getting that certification through. So it's a big piece for us. We're fully, fully compliant now author, uh, and externally audited to that international standard, which is a big piece. And uh, we brought everyone together on what we call the gathering as well. And that's an annual piece. Two years ago, we did Iceland. And mm -hmm. actually, the guys we went to visit in Iceland are, is the actual the town that's currently threatened by the lava flows in Iceland. Um, thinking of you all still dealing with that. I think the town's been evacuated. Um, and then this year, 2023, 
Uh, we took everyone to to visit the Virgin Islands lifeboat, so Virgin Islands Search and Rescue, and that was some trip. <laughs> Rented, chartered a couple of yachts, and we did a week sailing with the whole team, all all crewmates, as we call it, back in November, around the British Virgin Islands, which was excellent. And we used that trip to get to know each other better. Well, it's also good to add in a little bit of adventure, living in tight quarters, um, and. Uh, yeah, fantastic opportunity to meet a customer. Yeah. I, I see David's in as well. David, regular viewer, thanks very much for your rescue boat. Good evening in the UK. It's 9 p.m. for you. Um, I think we're hitting, uh, what are we at, 4 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Central, 1 p.m. Pacific. New Zealand, we might get a few of you in. It's 10 a.m. Australia, New South Wales, 8 a.m. So welcome, everyone, as you come on board. I'm just doing a little bit of an opener here as we start, as we're adding people, what happens is we, we get people kind of ticking into the live stream and joining us. And by the time we get onto the really meaty content of all the features, we're going to have the kind of peak viewership. So but we're nearly there. Mario, can you give us an overview of product? Yeah, absolutely. So I think uh, we've got a lot of action in 2023. I mean, with lots of features released, uh, you've seen some of those in the various newsletters, Beamer announcements, uh, but, We've got also a lot of action, like in other areas, like a lot of a lot of team, new team members joining, new customers. Um, I would say it was one of the most exciting years uh, for the product team in uh, like so far, probably. And um, you know, I think a lot of it is down to the fact that we are growing. Uh, we are growing as a company. We are growing as a team, and uh, the product itself is growing. And this has brought us. Uh, a lot of opportunities and that's also required us to adapt to new challenges mm. uh, such as the constantly increasing number of, uh, of users uh, increasing amount of data that we have to handle and increasing amount of feature requests from from our customers so um i would say we were quite busy in 2023 and uh, i'm very proud of what the team was able to achieve and uh, definitely looking uh, looking forward to having uh, an even better 2024. We are positioned actually to to actually hit some huge milestones. We'll probably talk a little bit of those uh, around about those uh, later on in the in the stream. But overall, I think it was a it was a fantastic year, and um, yeah, and that reflects actually the overall performance. I think of for age in general as well as a company so yeah for sure I, last year 2023 was in the first years we had we call now it kind of feels part of the furniture is our growth plan and our growth plan is a is really a, a document that guides every one of our crewmates everyone in the company as to how to make decisions to help us grow and what it's looking at is where we focus our thinking we focus our new functionality, um, where we want the business to be in a number of years' time. And you'll see a lot of that across the year. You'll see the trends and themes. And even on this call, we might talk about some of it. That, that growth plan aligning our features with our vision is key. And if anyone doesn't know our vision, it's, it's, it's a world where the unnecessary harm caused by emergencies is, is eliminated. Um, and that's what we're, we're trying to do. Mario, I think we, we should bring on some more some more experts. Um, 
Yes. It's GP. Uh, so GP is in Toronto. Hey, GP. GP is a customer experience specialist. Hey, everyone. How's it going? And we have Thierry, too. Thierry is in Pennsylvania. And Thierry is a product operations engineer who you've met before on here. Okay, great stuff. I'm getting a little bit of feedback. I think I can hear hear uh, hear somebody's uh, speaker causing feedback. Is anyone else getting that? Yes, yes, I'm getting some echo as well. Yeah, yeah someone someone's buying audio right there. A lot of delay. Yeah. So let's um, let's kick off here. Uh, GP, can you tell us a little bit about what you what you do at D4H? Absolutely. So some of the uh, streamers or the, uh, the live audience may have already spoken to me on the uh, help desk. So I basically front end the uh, customer support for all of our customers. And be it a simple question that comes uh, to the help desk or if, if it's a training uh, request that is coming in to help you with, with an advanced feature, uh, I'll be uh, connecting with you and giving you the uh, know-how on how to go about it. And also, especially if this is a feature request that you are looking to have on D4H, that is where I will, you know, touch base with you and get more information about uh, your exact requirement. That way I can bring your feedback to the product team along with Mario and Robin so that they can uh, go through the requirement in detail and see how best we can accommodate in D4H in the future. Excellent. GP, thank you very much. And Thierry, you're you're in a new role since uh, you were last on the podcast, operations engineer. Yeah, that's right. Um, when I wasn't on the past, uh, I was focused on TM, on development for TM, um, which is now headed by Dan. And I am more on the reliability and kind of coordinating between all the teams, automating to help us uh, scale up and ensure that as we add more customers, uh, we can make sure everything works smoothly for everyone. Awesome. Okay. Let's, uh, let's get stuck into this. Um, Amy, maybe we get some, some questions coming up for the team. Looking back at 2023, which feature release do you believe had the most significant impact on our users and why? So I, I think definitely for me, it's the new authentication system that was a huge release with a huge impact um, on, um, on every product, right? Because uh, let's remember the new authentication system will connect team manager and operation center. Uh, while in the past we had two different set of credentials, users have, have have to use two different set of credentials. Now with the new authentication system, they only have to use one login uh, for both products. And it supports SAML by, uh, by default natively. Uh, it also supports multi-factor authentication and it's in general way more secure because it's it's based on uh, on cloud, on a, on a, on a very, you know, battle-tested cloud service, essentially. So um, I think that's going to be, that's for me, number one for 2023. And um, let's remind people that 
the old authentication system is going to be shut down at a certain point later in at the end of q1 and uh, you'll get uh, um, more uh, information about that in the next in the next few days but uh, the objective is to move everyone to the new authentication system so we encourage everyone to migrate uh, your account as soon as possible and it you you, you only get benefits uh, and it's very easy to migrate it's just a couple of clicks literally so um before you answer the question that's come in from rob can you explain why two-factor authentication is important sure like uh, it, it adds a as the name says a, another layer of uh, of security on top of just your simple password right um, let's say that for any reason, you know, your password gets compromised. And if you have a, a second factor of authentication, you are completely secure, secure and safe. If you don't, then your account is going to be compromised as well. And um, we've seen, uh, I mean, people, we don't recommend it, definitely, but people sometimes reuse their passwords. And that's the worst really case scenario. Uh, that password is used on another system and not that system gets compromised then the password end up in the dark web and some guy with a you know a few dollars would buy the data set containing the user's password and they would be able you know to sign in into different and you know steal all the data in the account but if two-factor authentication is enabled then the password alone will be useless. So, and these are these are only just a, a couple of examples, you know. And in general, right now it's pretty much the the standard. Uh, many other companies have started to make it mandatory. So we really encourage people uh, to enable multi-factor authentication. We know that it adds friction, and unfortunately. Like everything, security, um, uh, you, it's difficult to have a good balance, right, between uh, user experience and uh, and security. But multi-factor authentication is definitely one of those things that are worth the effort to actually have. So it's really recommended from us. And and so Rob here is asking, can you add an option to remember a known device for a certain number of days, so he doesn't have to authenticate every time yes absolutely and uh is that happening on mobile or on the web uh, that's uh i think that's quite important because on the web it should work by default if it doesn't then we'll have to look into it into more more detail very um, good yeah. i i think Thierry, when we were talking about this earlier, you were mentioning the, the sort of documents move to an object storage system or file attachments for people. Um, it was one of the big pieces for you. That's right. Um, it's kind of a back-end piece that is not immediately obvious, uh, the, the impact. Um, but in terms of reliability, security, it brings a big improvement in terms of speed as well. And, Can you explain uh, what it is, just so people get, get a feeling of what that means? Yeah, so so in the past, uh, the documents, whether uploaded, they were basically, if I summarize it, 
kind of stored on uh, on a hard drive, basically, like a, kind of on the same computer. That's what it looked like. Um, but now we use an object storage service, which um, stores them separately from the application, which uh, improves a lot the way that, uh, that, that it's all handled. And by separating it from the rest of the data, it helps us improve the backup policies, for example. Um, so in case of any, any device failure or anything, it's protected much better. Um, does that answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and then, uh, by, uh, yes, go on. I think another advantage is that we don't have limit on how much uh, storage uh, we can have actually from our side. Um, we really like, uh, yeah, there is no upper limit essentially. So if a customer asks us, oh, I want to store 10 terabytes of data, um, that would be possible from our side to do right now. We also increase the, the, I don't know if you mentioned that the, the, yeah. the size of the, the files, the single files that can be uploaded. Yeah, that's true. I think that that was a huge improvement that is brought that previously was five megs, which was not that big. Um, but now uh, at the moment it can be uh, up to one gig. Uh, so really you can upload videos and much larger pictures because nowadays some uh, especially raw pictures, for instance, themselves can be pretty big. Um, so yeah, that the max size of uploads uh, is a huge improvement as well. And uh, it also brought some things like uh, the ability to keep all past revisions of a file. Uh, in the past, if you uploaded a revision, we kept the metadata, which kind of give you a history of, of the file and how it changed. But now we have an optional option, which uh, I think it depends on the package, uh, the, on the subscription that people signed up to, but it's available. You can contact sales about it. <laughs> um, where basically you can you can also preserve the file itself. And so when you want to look at the history of the file, you no longer have just the description of it that says what changed, but you have all of the past files, uh, which, which for, for some cases can be extremely helpful. GP, for you, what was the most significant impact for our users? Well, for me, the, it was the rich text editor. That was one of the most anticipated features in the uh, operation center, as well as on the uh, team manager side. Every time I hop on a call with a customer, they ask, you know, when are you guys going to launch uh, rich text? So it's, it has become uh, pretty much uh, the starting dialogue of a conversation. Uh, and now that it has been launched, we have been receiving a lot of positive feedback from uh, customers. Uh, and if you are, if you haven't used it, please, by all means, go ahead and try it. It's our, our engineer, especially Mario's team and, uh, and also Theory uh, helped us a lot in terms of getting this uh, up and running. Uh, you can do a lot of uh, stuff, for example, starting from the bullet and numbering, and also you can make it bold. You can basically go to town with the uh, rich text editing features we have on the uh, both operation center as well as on the uh, team manager. And that is one of the most uh, exciting features that we launched uh, in 2023 for sure. Awesome. Um, there's some questions in uh, Dominic, hey, in South Africa, how are you? Um, question about Cal Topo. 
uh, or Sartopo, as some people know it, and can give a feature that works with it. Um, so we did a live stream previously with, with Cal Topo. Uh, Thierry was just pointing out that uh, you can watch that back. Um, I can see, oh, thanks, Amy's posting a link to it. I think where where we're at with Cal Topo is we we think from our side the integration possibly needs to come from their side. It's kind of the flow is to push things to D4H, um, such as layers and things like that. So we're we're totally open to that. Um, our our API is there if anyone wants to build it for Cal Topo. I'm sure you could do something to connect the two. Um, it, it, there's an API if you Google D4H API, you'll see that you can fully insert and control and update data in D4H uh, using the API. So I think that's probably our answer on that at this point. Uh, we'd love to see integration as well. From our side, we're not we're not CalTopo users, so we're not quite sure what you'd like to see built. So um, trying to understand what you'd like pushed in. Um, you can today export a KML file from CalTopo and import it into D4H that works perfectly. Um, but uh, in terms of live viewing, yeah, need some more info. Okay, let's hit the next question up. What is D4H's approach to ensuring user-friendly design and new features? An interesting conversation today about style guides. Uh, yeah, so for me, it's down to different factors actually, and. Uh, I guess then on top of that we add to some secret sauce that we cannot we cannot <laughs> say here. I would say so. That's proprietary information, <laughs> but I, I guess it's all about uh, the basic is applying some principles uh, when implementing new features, right? Um, uh, there are different basic principles. Uh, for example, the wording has to be very clear, um, so just to convey the right message to the to the user. Um, the interface has to be simple and cluttered as simple as possible. And uh, in general, for me, one of the most important of these factors is uh, making sure that the user is guided towards an experience, towards making a decision, rather than present a list of options, of infinite options to the user. And then at that point, the user has to make a decision. And at that point, it might that's how things get complicated, let's say. Uh, so it's all apply about applying these principle, principles. And of course, this is just the surface. Then there are other things uh, coming into play as for example, the customers and the other people in the team. Uh, I, I, I leave that actually to you to add on this because it, it's really a broad question and very, very interesting and uh, important for D4H because one of our main uh, strength, it is user friendly, friendliness. So we really, we really care about that in everything we do. So. My bad. Terry, uh, you had some thoughts on this in terms of balancing technical complexity with user friendliness. Um, give us your thoughts. Um, yeah, one one aspect uh, was to keep in mind the range of customers because we have some people who like basically were born with a smartphone in their hand, and so it's very easy for them to get used to any 
to, to any app because they've touched so many through the years. Um, and it just basically comes as a uh, second nature. Um, but then on the other hand, we've got people who have decades of experience in the field, but that experience is mostly around paper forms. Um, so we have to keep in mind that that broad range, whether it's from people in the healthcare sector, in the aviation sector, uh, in search and rescue, um, also people who use it every day as opposed to uh, every once a month, for instance, uh, it's quite a broad range. So being intuitive is really something that we keep in mind and we try to also improve all the time. Um, so getting the feedback from customers of what is maybe a little bit more harder to find that we could improve or a label that might not be too intuitive. Those are small things that we can always improve. And uh, uh, getting feedback in the support inbox for this or on those live streams, uh, they're really a good opportunity for us to hear from, from people what they want. Well, well, here's one now. So there's a question from David Wilson. This is a good complex one. <laughs> um, is there a plan to take the personnel from operations center or incident management and import that into team manager, incident reporting, personnel training? Um, at the moment, this is to be done manually. Mario, this might be one for you. Yes. So we we feel that pain ourselves, to be honest, like even when testing the product, it's something that is very obvious. Uh, we've introduced this uh, now authentication system, new authentication system, which is actually, you can think that it introduces even a third list of users, right? Um, so yeah, the plan uh, is to actually to join all those personnel lists together. Um, it is, uh, I think, in this year's plan. Uh, it's one of the top four, yeah, it's one of the top four uh, yeah. priorities for the company. Is uh, right now is the priority is called single platform, and it, it's around making for you guys as users a completely feel like a single platform, yeah. even though technically it's lots of complex different technologies working together. Correct. Yeah. So it is high on our list and. Uh, um, it's going to come soon, yeah. Okay. Um, Matt, we'll get to you in a minute after this. How should customers submit feature requests? GP, that sounds like a good one for you. Yeah, of course. So as Mario pointed out, we receive tons of requests every single day uh, from customers uh, who are on the field uh, trying to you know, figure out a certain feature, or this could be uh, a feature streamlining according to uh, their perspective to ensure that they get the job done faster. So what we always tell the customers is that we request them to give us a background of their use case. That way uh, we, will, we actually can understand the uh, what you're looking to achieve better. And also a uh, couple of things. Number one, I can also check with the team, is there a workaround to, to get you there in, a, in an efficient manner? If it is not, then it's, it's definitely gonna be a feature request where we would uh, log it in our uh, internal systems as a new feature. But of course, 
if you the moment you share more information about uh, your request and how what you're looking to achieve and the practical issue that you're having uh, our engineers will have a better understanding on how to uh, overcome it in the future and also think about um, the long um, or rather the wider spectrum of our customers and to facilitate uh, that feature in the uh, D4H systems. I want to add something that, that I, I think we value a lot in, at D4H, which is when you submit feature requests, I think we love to hear the actual problem behind it. Uh, because that's what we actually do at D4H is we, we actually help our customers solve their problems, right? And uh, so knowing what they are actually trying to achieve would help us to shape the, the feature even better. And uh, so it can be useful not only for one customer, but actually for, for many customers. And, and it also will, will make sure that it solves the problem in the most efficient way, in the best way, in the following every industry standard. So yeah, I encourage everyone to give a little bit of context always when submitting new feature requests. There's, there's a question in about the API theory that you may be able to, to help with. Uh, Thomas Atkinson. Yep. Um, we actually agree, uh, <laughs> which is why we are basically doing uh, API v3, which will entirely replace v2. Um, it will improve a ton of the, the consistency um, and simplify also some, some, some of the workflows. Um, we are actually already using it internally. Um, the, we still have, basically we're aiming to, re, to release it publicly when we have feature parity with V2 so that you can entirely drop V2 and start using V3 uh, without missing any pieces. So uh, Mario might be able to be a little bit more narrow in terms of time frame for that, but this is, I know this is for this year. Yeah, definitely. It is definitely for this year. Yeah, we are aiming some uh, to to release well to invite some beta users uh, as early as Q1 of this year, and um, so that's going to be another huge milestone. And uh, Thomas, we are actually very interested in knowing what you find uh, uh, difficult in the current mm. API because that would help us shape the new version. And I, I was going to say, what, why is there a new API at all? Like describe, I mean, why are we building V3? What's, what's going to be better out of the box in V3? So in terms of interface, it's going to be more coherent uh, and uh, uh, simplified, much more simplified compared to V2. So I think that's the most uh, immediate aspect that user will be able to see. Behind the scenes, uh, it's a complete rewrite. So we are actually um, able to support features that the current version of the API does not support. The most important one is a, is a granular permission system system, which a lot, I know a lot of users are waiting for, but the new version of the API will allow the entire team manager platform to leverage this new system of granular permissions, um, essentially. 
Uh, besides the fact that it's based on a very modern uh, techno uh, technology stack, and uh, so we're going to see improvement also in terms of performance and in terms of developer productivity and uh, and um, quality and uh, reliability. So it's going to be a huge step ahead. Uh, so looking forward to it. Um, and I, I would add, Amy has shared in uh, in the replies there for for you, Thomas, uh, about the survey that we that we've been running, kind of continuously about API feedback. Um, the the use of that survey is two parts or even three parts to basically to know what people use it for. Is it for internal applications that they use just for themselves? Is it for uh, apps that they put on the app store, for instance? And also to know what their pain points are. Uh, to make sure that we address these pain points uh, in V3. And we also use that um, very rarely, but when when needed to share specific information for API users that might not be useful for, uh, for, for customers as a whole. So um, I would encourage you to fill that form um, and it will make much easier for us to um, track your your feedback and to keep you updated of what's happening. Um, I was just clicking through that actually, Terry, to look at, at um, the responses we've had. And there's some quite interesting stuff. It looks like Python is the most uh, used language for people to to build integrations with. That's what they're, they're building in. And uh, I think it was like 95% of people were building internal apps rather than publicly. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and we 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 do have some of them actually that are in GitHub, uh, which is interesting when people can share them, um, and then other other customers can also uh, benefit from it, especially if it's something from sometimes um, uh, search and rescue teams that are not for profit. So it's uh, it's probably easier a little bit to share the the result of their work for that. GP. We um, we get all these features in, and you were talking earlier about how people can sort of request a feature. When they come in, what do you do with them? Absolutely. So as I said, as I mentioned earlier, we get you know quite a number of uh, feature requests coming in, uh, or almost every customer every single day. Yeah, uh, it, it on the back end, what we do is we definitely record them in our internal systems. But when it comes to prioritizing. Our product team or the engineering team looks at uh, major things such as you know whether this uh, feature is going to uh, facilitate wider range of customers, or whether this is actually fixing a, a niche uh, experience that customer is having. So that's the tough question that you know uh, the product engineering team gets asked. If it's a, a very uh, niche uh, request it is most likely going to be uh, less prioritized, but it doesn't mean that it's never going to be, you know, uh, appeared on D4H, but it is definitely going to be uh, looked at as more customers come in with, with this exact same request. So do not get discouraged, uh, you know, when you make a request uh, just because, you know, we cannot accommodate it right now in Q1, Q2, etc. But uh, we have a very transparent and product team actually listens to us and we, in fact, meet with them every single week. We share the uh, the new features that we receive from customers and they go through them and they see how best they can accommodate 
in their uh, existing uh, roadmaps. And we, I would, we, oh, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to add that for those, those niche requests, uh, it's one case where when you have the capability uh, that you can use the API to extend um, and add that capability that we might judge is, is, is too niche and will not get broad use for, for all the customers, but uh, with the API, either now with what it is or, or v, with V3, which will also cover a lot more of the, of the features of the product, um, the, 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 the API is basically there to let you extend and add capabilities that you might need. So, so GP does a great post on our internal system. If anyone's familiar with Basecamp, that's what we use internally to talk. And we've got different teams or projects set up on that for, for the customer's team, for the product team, for each of our subsystems. And G, GP collates up all of the feature requests that come in every seven days. He posts, is it a Friday, GP? I think I see it on, or Thursday or Friday. Everything from the Friday. week. Yeah, everything from the week goes out every week. And so do know that when you do ask for a feature, it is read by everybody. Um, we all read them. Uh, at that point on the Friday for that week's set of features, we set them. We, we're going to there's a couple of lenses. We look look at them through one. The primary piece is our growth plan. So any features that match our growth plan, they get a little bit higher rating because that's the direction we're going. Um, and anything very niche um, that we think isn't going to cause large customer impact across uh, a lot of customers get slightly lower priority. It's just how it works. It's still in there, though. Um, they get rated must have, should have, could have, and won't have. And and largely then they get filed into our, our, our tracking system. And every time we do a design, so um, Mario and myself might sit down and we're saying, let's look at, we've got this must have around, I'll pick qualification tracking. And we search, we keyword search this large database. I bet Thierry can give me a number of issues. How many issues do you reckon, Thierry? In that, um, I know, features? I know, I know. For team manager, we're in the eight thousand something range. Eight thousand um, feature ideas. Oh, in un I mean, incomplete, incomplete. Eight thousand tasks. Uh, open yeah, one. What I mean, yeah, yeah. Which includes, uh, I would say, a lot of them are are feature or, or enhancements. Yeah. So it's a huge, huge volume. And so what we'll yeah. do is we'll keyword search that, all these ideas, and they might be from four years ago. And we go, that's a really good one. So we're building this, we're rebuilding, at the moment we're rebuilding inspections, right, the equipment management. And we'd be I, looking at what can we get in there? What are the pieces we can get in there of other people's ideas? At the moment, team manager is about in the 2000 range. Um, and yeah, okay. a bunch of them yeah. a bunch of them might be uh, like 2000, in the 2000 range for those that are open that have not been completed yet. So that means that about 6,000 6, have been completed. Yeah. That's which pretty is good. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, there, sometimes there's some that we might mark as won't do, or that might be a lower priority. And as more feedback comes in mm -hmm. with more use cases for it and are just more different customers, different types that we like, Oh, actually we, we reconsider that and we might, upgrade it from more have or, or could have to a must have on occasion. And that's definitely happened. So it's worth, um, if you think on something, let us know, because if we, if one person uh, suggests it um, and they're the only ones, chances are it might be pretty low, but uh, the more use cases and the more different customers bring it up, um, the more attention it's going to get. Yeah. 
Excellent. Keep keep these questions coming. They're they're queuing up now. We've lots of questions to answer, which is great. And we're we're gonna we're gonna keep working through them. We will get to all of them. Um, GP um, examples of how customer feedback directly influence the development of a feature. Yeah, for sure. So uh, we had one uh, law enforcement customer. Um, you know, they've been asking for a feature quite some time and uh, we had to go back and forth on that this specific feature is actually the one that we launched as a canine handlers and also uh, how to go about their qualifications so what we did was is that uh, we wanted to get more information about this exact feature and how they were uh, looking to uh, accommodate uh, this feature within our team manager product so we said we, we said that uh, we sat with them uh, multiple times just to understand the requests and also see how best we could uh, accommodate it. And by towards end of uh, last year, we were able to introduce that feature in the uh, team manager product. And along with them, there were wider, uh, there were a larger number of customers who were actually able to uh, benefit from that feature, not only from the lay, uh, law enforcement, but also from uh, customers who have a canine uh, as a unit. Uh, this could be a search and rescue team or even could be a corporate customer who is having a canine unit to um, handle their uh, information within D4H. So that was one of the great uh, use case that uh, I could uh, think of where customers directly uh, influence the decision-making process. And as a result, we were able to deliver them uh, a better product uh, to them. Yeah, for sure. Um, um, I think those guys you're talking about were in Australia, if, if I know, if I think it's who you're, you're talking about. And I mean, it's a good example there. I think the software in 36, 37, someone will probably correct me and tell me it's more now countries. It's really global. Um, and these things are, it's, they're very international requests. Great. Mario, I interrupted you. Yeah, I was saying for me is um, um, an example of such a feature is the ability to sign uh, uh, forms, uh, uh, sections of a form independently, right? In mm -hmm. the past, uh, that, that I remember um, we introduced this feature signing forms, I think a couple of years ago or the last year, uh, 2022, I can't remember. But I remember that immediately one of the first feedbacks we received was, um, yeah, I need multiple signatures on this form. and. Uh, if I if I add one, then I cannot modify the form anymore. So, and that was something we realized immediately. Oh, all right. So, then people use this particular workflow. There are a lot of people using this particular workflow, like where different sections are owned by different people, and that what actually drove us to implement uh, this feature, which actually allow users to to sign. Uh, um, to sign only one section of a form without locking the entire form. And um, I think uh, a lot of users were happy about uh, about this, uh, these features being released in 2023. Excellent. Let's talk a little bit about 2024, shall we? Mm. Um, there's lots of pieces coming in here. I think we'll Let's let's cover off some of the questions first. Um, 
<clears throat> Matt, um, Amy was asking there a little more info, if you can, on what you'd like to see from call-out responses. Um, same from Duncan in Cumbria, North Cumbria Search and Rescue. A little bit more info, what you're thinking. Uh, let's start on some of the bits we do know. Uh, waiting for GPS mapping to be added before upgrading to incident management. That's in 2024. This is, I, I can see it in the, in the plan for this year. Um, however, I think it's towards the, the bottom at the moment in terms of, of priority, uh, but we hear you. Um, we've this is one a clear example where um, a feature is receiving such a large interest that it actually made it uh, into our growth plan and um, i think it's there mainly because of you guys asking us to implement that feature and uh, we'll get there uh, we, we we just as i said as we said before it's all a matter of prioritizing things and um, as we talk a little bit of what's ahead of us in 2024, um, yeah, I believe us when when we say you know that, that there is a lot uh, in store for you know next year, and so uh, it's going to be really interesting. What's been quite interesting is we've been tracking these features for a long time, and GPS tracking has gone from what we class as a delighter feature. So a delighter feature is something that people will buy the product just for this cool, this feature, it stands out in, in, in the market. It's becoming a must have, which is just that everyone's gonna have it. Um, it's, you know, as, as, as smartphones just become more and more prevalent as the way, I mean, before I think when we started experimenting with it, we even had little Bluetooth GPS trackers because the battery on the smartphone had run down and there's lots of things. And, and now just the world's changed completely um, on that. So I think it's a definite we're going to support it. Um, <clears throat> Duncan saying, we currently have two physical ID cards. One stays with the member and the other goes onto the ops board so we know who is there. It's collected when they leave. We'd like this digitally. So this, this sounds like for, for people in North America, I think it's called T-cards might be the the right terminology and their little cards on a board and as people arrive in they might give their their badge or their id to the command post um and it gets slotted into a little card that gets moved around into teams so they they actually organize the teams with the person's photo from the card as something we can see um it's a little bit for everyone on the call a bit like uh um um what's the board i'm trying to think of um board with columns on it it's not support um nope <laughs> like in a project management tool um, oh, okay <laughs> i'm trying to think of the word i should know the word straight off um like like a project in github when you have your multiple uh columns kanban board moving. kanban board that's what we're so it's a little bit like a kanban board of teams if you want to think of it that way and so what they're doing is they're taking their card and putting it in slots to say which team the person's on and the person hasn't gone home or left or hasn't gone home with their cards still in the in the board how do we do that digitally command board that's correcting me sounds like uh you'd be scanning a qr code from the app to say you're here you do the same on the way out 
it's a funny it's a funny proposition because kind of mixing very analog and very digital things the the benefit of the id card is you won't go home without it yeah so that's an interesting one um you can do in incident management you can add a column beside everybody's name with a check-in date and time and as they arrive you can click the column to timestamp it see and you got to check out column so you can do checking in and checking out like that to see who's there um that's possible uh, accountability boards is is an unferal bob um say so what they call it so yeah, it sounds like it's a an interesting problem to solve, mm -hmm. and how it's done simply is is probably key. Um, we have looked at RFID chips, and they can be scanned by the personal training app already. Um, we've already done checking equipment out on a scene, so it's probably all somewhere in the mix of of these pieces of, of where it sits. Yeah, this is something that intersects a bit between um, incident management and personal training because personal training and incident reporting is where we track uh, attendance and who's who's on scene that way, um, and that's where we we track equipment usage as well. Mm -hmm. um, but then, kind of the the real time piece is incident management. So um, this is a way where we need. This is a, a feature where we need to really. Uh, find the right intersection between the two. I, I've heard a lot of requests for, you know, people want to have an, an iPad on the table or a tablet on the table and people can come in and sign in when they arrive at some event that's in the system and it automatically adds them to the attendance. I've heard versions of that where they want to print out a QR code or put a QR code on a projector and have people come in and use the app and scan to check in. Um, I'm, still, I'm still undecided on what's actually just overkill um trying to really picture what the least possible friction thing is versus yeah versus like a roll call or something being taken uh, i think it depends a lot on i think it depends a lot on whether people um want it to be easy if they want it to be a bit more um trustworthy like uh, as mm. to prove that the person is actually there versus just tracking people's self-declared self status yeah um it, it, because if we want to prove the precise actually there in a more of an accountability um participation uh way then you want to take into account like the location but then that gets very complicated and that adds some friction mm. um, and also it pre-requires internet um so at the moment uh really we we let people print the attendance sheet from uh, personal training, uh, which is an easy, low-tech way to do it and to, to cross-reference between the two. I always think, uh, Thierry, to use your term of bike shedding, this is one of these bike shedding problems where the actual problem you're solving is uh, to rescue or find a missing person, and yet we can spend hours talking about optimum check-in systems for people arriving because it's a cool problem to solve like it's a feels like yeah. it should be cool you can scan something and automatically check people in i i get the i get the need but it's one of those things i always find it doesn't solve the end doesn't help reduce the harm uh, caused by emergencies necessarily i mean 
it might make the response maybe slightly quicker but solved by one person on a clipboard as well um it's, it's a funny one okay um let's see what else do we have there um okay matt's asking about uh call out response so this is interesting so The team has no ability to report back regarding if they're responding or delayed. We have found that it usually requires a call-in. So we do have uh, end of Q1, um, and it's still really only being spoken about internally and alerting product coming out. Um, end of Q1, it's going out to beta uh, with a couple of customers with SMS and voice calling. Uh, quickly added after that will be other other channels, um, critical alerts and other things. We think it's going to be uh, really a massive success amongst our customers. We get a lot of requests for it. And as part of that, it will have the ability to answer your status. So there'll be customizable statuses, whether it's just acknowledge or whether it's I'm coming, I'm, uh, I'm unsure, not coming, you know, whatever you want to set up as as options and you'll be able to template all those and sort of single click or, or from your phone initiate a call out. So um, that is coming and we know a lot of people will be excited about it. Yeah. Mario, can you talk any more about that and even how yeah. it's progressing? Yeah, so that first of all, I want to point out that that's gonna be a completely new product that we are adding to our suite of, of products and it's going to be tightly integrated with the new operations center platform. Uh, but of course, it's going to be available also in team manager. And um, at the moment, we are uh, we're pretty good positioned uh, to release it at the end of Q1, at least uh, in the beta version, let's say. And uh, as you said, that we are super excited, uh, even from also from our side of the, the, the product team, because this is gonna add, you know, this is, it, it doesn't happen often that we add a completely new product to our suite of products. And so there's also of technical excitement from the team, you know, or of starting a Greenfield project, something completely new. And uh, so, uh, and we're, we're doing our best actually to make it a complete success. And uh, success in this case starts from the requirement, you know, like for, for a product, you know, making sure that it has the right product market fit. And I think, uh, yeah, Robin has done a great job on, on that on, on that side of things. He has spoken with a lot of lot of customers uh, uh, collecting their their you know the problems and the use case, their use cases, and um, I think we have a quite solid uh, uh, proposition there that we are implementing. So uh, mm -hmm. stay tuned. Yeah, I think it's going to be great for for users of Team Manager. At some point, and this does, there's not there's not any deadline on this at all, but at some point we do see it replacing the communications module. So mm -hmm. if you're sending texts out at the moment using Twilio or something like that through D4H we do see this as an integrated solution where you can when you when you hit that little send message button it'll open up this alerting product instead um and we also see it supporting not just call outs but also 
standbys, warnings, and informational messages, system tests, or pager tests, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot put into that, and we think it's going to be a, a really big hit. Actually, you'd be able I, to purchase it standalone or, or or integrated. Sorry, Thierry, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say that um, I'm excited for it for all the reasons that Mario just said, but also because my own team, my own SAR team uses D4H. Um, so I'm looking forward to also be, be using that um, and having other things a little bit more integrated, um, which is, which is adds a different, an interesting perspective when like we build the product, but we also use it. So uh, it's another perspective where like the, the distance between the customer and the product is much smaller when when we can overlap like this. How do you do call out at the moment here? Uh, right, right now we have another app um, that has its own paid subscription and it does have those options like where we can say I'm on the way or mm-hmm. I'm not attending and stuff like that. Um, so, and yeah, it's another subscription that for our team will, every subscription that you add, uh, like they all add up in cost so yeah um having the integration in d4h is going to be much easier to manage in terms of like the personal list uh the incident you didn't say (laughs) no but still having the integration is going to be uh just a a time saver because yeah uh, like uh, as volunteers you're not paid for the time you put into it um so anything that saves time and effort uh absolutely no i'm i'm only i'm only joking on that well 100 i think it'd be good and actually i think uh, i think i know the app you're using and um people will find that this is a much much more simplified version a huge number of the apps in the field are are built for volunteer firefighters us based volunteer firefighters are a lot of the apps and a lot of the terminology and things in them are, are specially designed for that um so i think that's going to be a big piece hmm. Okay, excellent. What's left? Amy, do you want to hit us up with any other questions? We have two minutes. Is it possible to add and remove columns in equipment? Yes, for some. Um, Currently, I think it's barcode, um, and there's some others others on my head that you can turn on and off. We've been discussing of uh, making all of the list a lot more uh, customizable, um, but that's kind of gonna, going to need a big uh, overhaul of like the interface, um, which we've been discussing about for a while. But actually, we made that's that, that's another thing that we did last year uh, for the manager, where um, we've kind of started to introduce new technology in a very uh, discrete way, it's not super effective, but from a development perspective, it's going to make it a lot easier to do that kind of swaps to add um, more flexible tables. Um, And that's one of those things that I expect will be will be coming. Yeah, brilliant. There's a couple of other big team manager features coming. GP has been repping uh, team manager in every meeting saying those guys need more um, (laughs) inspection steps. Mario, do you want to Give a quick 30 seconds on. Yeah, absolutely. So we are gonna um, we're gonna release this new feature pretty soon. Actually, it's already at the last phases of development, and we'll try to release it step by step, initially um, uh, to certain customers. Anyway, uh, 
the feature is uh, about uh, having uh, the ability to check uh, the different steps of any inspections uh, individually, essentially. So at the moment, we have just a description for, for any inspection, but in the future, we will be able to, to check each step individually. So check it if, it's, uh, if it passes, uh, if it fails, or if it doesn't apply to that particular, let's say, piece of equipment. And we'll also reduce the number of uh, inspection statuses, outcomes, let's say, for the inspection to five, I think, that are at the moment, to only two. So just fail or pass. And that will simplify a lot of things, especially, especially for the end user who's going to actually execute the inspection physically. Uh, and it's going to be so much easier to do it, especially when done on mobile. So. Uh, stay tuned for that. If you have any feedback to give us in relation to that particular feature, let us know. Uh, as, as I said, we are just about to release it. Awesome. The other one that a lot of people are going to like is the ability to upload a qualification, a new certificate you get through the mobile app, take a photo of it. Um, it'll sit in some sort of inbox pending uh, status for a an admin effectively to go in and approve the certificate and add it to people's profiles. So I think that's a big piece with a lot of a lot of ask, um, asking. Um, well, I'm going to say thank you to everyone for your feedback. Uh, this has been a brilliant session. Um, it's it's awesome to get so many people on. Uh, thank you to Mario, GP, and Thierry for for joining on the live stream we really appreciate it it's great that everyone gets to meet a couple of the faces and just me on youtube all the time and uh, i'm gonna thank the guys from from myself of look at the amount of work they output last year in 2023 you can see on screen there uh, the range of features and functionality that was delivered to production um which is a which is a big ask thanks to everyone uh thanks for your support thanks for innovating and uh we're here to to support you and your operational needs in 2024. See you all later. Bye everyone. <laughs>